Hello, I'm Mike Browning. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today, we're going to discuss what led God to bring a worldwide flood on the earth. Why did he do this? Is there a message of hope for us even in the midst of God's judgments? The scriptures will tell us today. Well, folks, to discuss our topic today, we have Colin Hone and Hannah Nakagawa on our panel. This is your first time on our panel today, Hannah. Thank you for joining us today. We're very glad to have you. And we invite everyone to join with us as we pray before we open the scripture. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of having a Bible in our hand to open it today. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to guide our discussion, that we might understand your message to us. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, folks, after God made the earth and everything on it, he gave his own opinion of it. And I'm going to read from Genesis chapter one, verse 31 here. And this is what it says. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So that was his opinion of what he had made. But it was very good, he said. But Hannah, was it good enough? That's the question. That's a good question because he, he think it was very good. That must be perfect. Mm. However, God also gave us the freedom of choice. Mm. And the first parents, they dishonored, disobeyed God. Yeah. That's how sin entered. And we, when we look at the world, we know mm. that this world is full of sins. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible trouble. So it wasn't that God didn't make it well enough and good enough. It was good, all right. Mm. Um, but the problem with was with humanity. Okay, um, so we've seen that. Our, sin, our, our first parents seriously sinned and damaged the whole planet. Um, but how quickly, how quickly did it bring the whole human race down? That's the question. Well, it, it was actually a rapid progression. It started with obviously Adam and Eve eating the fruit. Mm-hmm. And then the results of that, and you can read that in Genesis 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 6. So they take the fruit and then that caused them then in Genesis 3, 10 to be afraid of God. Mm. And they found themselves naked and afraid. Well, they were ashamed as well as afraid, weren't they? Yes. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a, and then that led to in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, you see that God asked, well, what have you done, Adam? And Adam says, well, actually, the woman made me do it. Mm. And then God turns to uh, Eve and says, well, what's happening? And he says, the devil made me do it. And then the devil then blames God. (laughs) You know, so it it starts the progression of the blame game Mm. and not Mm. taking responsibility Mm. for their own actions. And then again, you read again in Genesis chapter four, verse five and eight, where then the first generation, Cain kills his brother, Abel. Mm. It leads to murder as well. Yes. So the question is, how did... Hannah, how did sin get so bad so quickly? This is alarming, really, isn't it? Yes, it was so, so rapid. Mm. I guess uh, I imagine something like there's a bucket of the water and you drop the ink, drop like a tiny bit of um, ink and it will spread quickly Mm. um, everywhere. And I think now we can't really do good things. Um, Naturally, humans are inclined to sin. Mm. So this was, um, yeah, this is how quickly sin spread everywhere. Okay, thank you for that. Um, 
So how did God view the sin problem? Did he see it as, as serious as we even do see it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. And, that, and that's like amazing when you read yeah. that, that God said everybody evil continually. Mm. So it, it did indeed happen incredibly rapidly. I'm going to read chapter 6 of Genesis and verse 6 for a moment. And uh, this is God's response now. He's seeing all this happen. How does he feel about this? Well, he says plainly, the Lord was sorry. Um, some translations say he regretted mm. that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Um, these are strong words that he felt this way. Um, Try and put this into words for us, Anna. How is God really feeling here? Yes, I guess that God is filled with this deepest pity and mm. um, grief that um, what's happening because of the result of sin. If we look at um, chapter um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, uh, the Bible says that the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So it was so bad that he decided Mm-hmm. to restart again. It spread to everything, didn't it? Yes. To the animal kingdom, to the, you know, the plants became thorns mm. and mm-hmm. things like that. So it corrupted the whole earth. Yes. Yes. The whole ecosystem was corrupted. Okay, thank you for that. Um, so let's review, if we can, Colin, just exactly what God decided to do about this very serious situation. Well, we read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, when God says, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth, to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which there is a breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. So the first step he's going to say is, I'm going to bring a flood on this earth mm-hmm. and I'm going to basically everything that breathes, it's going to die. But then again, he says something really important in verse 18. He says, but I will establish my covenant with you. He's talking to Noah. Mm. And you should go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife and your son's wives with you. So there was also redemption that he was going to save um, Noah and his family. Okay. And of course, Noah Noah was given an assignment, wasn't he? His job was to warn the world. So um, the the world being so bad that like the the end of its days had come, why did God do this? What was the point of warning the world? Yes, um, Noah was warning people to repent, basically, mm-hmm. and to have the hope in salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, Genesis, so they were given a chance, in other words. They could have that's survived right. the flood. That's right. And also, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it says that, And the Lord says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Okay. So there was a time um, given to them, 120 years. Um, it's kind of like a probation time that yeah. they have the time to repent mm. and come back to God. Okay, that was really good. So, and, you see, and you see that yeah. played out in the Bible over and over again. You know, yes. you know sending uh, Nineveh, mm. you know, basically he was going to destroy Nineveh. Mm. And so, you know, Jonah went and preached for 40 days and Nineveh repented and God then relented from destroying Nineveh. Okay. So same mm. sort of principle. Mm. Yeah, so God is very compassionate. Mm. He, he doesn't delight in anyone's 
um, demise. He wants to save them, if he can, if they will be saved. Yes. Um, look, let's have a look at Noah, the man who was given this assignment. Colin, what sort of person was he? Well, you can read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, that um, he says this. He says, this is a genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. So first of all, he was a just man. Mm. It says he was perfect in his generation. So for that generation, he was perfect in that generation. Yeah. And Noah walked with God. Mm. And so you see a man who is walked with God. He was a born again sort of Christian, if you can say, put it that way. Today's, uh, and also in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter tells us that Noah was also a preacher of righteousness. So he was preaching, you know, for 120 years and demonstrating that by building the boat, mm. his faith. I mean, it never rained before and he's building a boat uh, in the middle of the plains and people oh. would have come and seen that. And he was preaching a message of righteousness, of turning away from his sins and turning back to God. OK, so he wasn't just building. No, he was preaching as he well. He was preaching, mm. got a good crowd watching and he'd stop building and start preaching. It was a perfect way of getting a crowd to come along and listen. Um, I want to just go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8 and 9, yes. um, particularly verse 8, shall we say. Um, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and, he, and then in verse 9, you've already read verse 9 there for us, Colin. He walked with God, it says there. So this is telling us quite a bit, Hannah, about his relationship with God, mm. isn't it? Yes, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's really beautiful. That shows us that he was also a sinner too. If he was the perfect man from the beginning without God, that means he didn't need grace. Yeah, but he needed grace. Mm -hmm. He found grace in the Lord. So that means that he was someone like us who is a sinner. Yes, okay. So he was an ordinary human being, but he was walking with God. And um, obviously it's possible for us to do that. We're walking and talking mm-hmm. um, as we would with other human beings. But in this case, it's with the divine one. I think I like yeah. what you said before, Hannah, where we have a choice and Noah made the choice to respond to God's yeah. mercy and grace yeah. and repented of his sins. And then he was found righteous and yeah. just because of that. That's so true. Mm. So, and, it go, and it stand, it's sort of implied, doesn't, isn't it, that everybody else could have done the same had they chosen to do so. That's mm. right. Yeah. Um, going back to chapter two of Genesis, I'm going to read there uh, verse five and six because this is really very interesting. Um, it says, verse five of chapter two, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, no rain yet. And there was no man to till the ground. A mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So there was a mist that went over the entire mm. globe, um, presumably at night, watered the whole earth sufficiently um, that there was no need for rain. So no rain yet. It was just at all. It was just a mist. Mm. And that's what watered the earth. Mm. And so for Noah to come along, God to tell Noah that it's going to rain mm. for 40 days and 40 nights and, uh, you know, and mm. flood the world. And Noah goes telling people, it was scientifically sort of, they would say, well, that's scientifically impossible. That's right. There's not going to be no climate change. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was also in, uh, politically incorrect to point people's sins out as well, yeah. just like it is today. You know, nobody wants their sins pointed out. And so Noah would have told him he's destroying the earth because of, because of our wickedness, your wickedness. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, so it was a difficult message to give. People had never seen it rain. And he says it's going to rain. <laughs> he, was, he was on his metal there. Yes. Um, well, 
What does it take, Hannah, to stand firm against public opinion like Noah did? Wow. For 120 years, I might add. Wow, that must be hard. Mm. I'm actually from Japan, and in Japan there's a saying that the nail sticks out will be hammered. That means that something different will be like destroyed. Okay. <laughs> Culturally, um, we don't want to be different from other people. So it must be hard, but to stand firm in the truth, we need to know the truth and mm. we need to have a confidence in the truth. Okay, and Noah acted on what he believed. There he was building that ark. Yes. Not just for a few months or a year, 120 years. Yes. It was a big ark. Yes, big he must have the, this yeah. heart of surrender to God, yes. that trust, <clears throat> that even though he doesn't know what's going on, but he was trusting him. He was trusting God, mm. what God said. Now that's so true. Um, God says some interesting words to Noah in chapter 6 and verse 18. Folks, if we could just have a look at that. Genesis 6, 18. And God says to Noah this, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you into the ark. Um, so what are these significant words? What stands out for you there, Colin? Well, a covenant is made an agreement. He says, I'm going to save you. No mm. I'm in agreement. I'm going to save you and your family. And so there's an element of faith and obedience that comes from that. Because yes. Noah believed what God said. You know, he had faith in what God said was going to happen, even though he'd never seen rain in his life. Mm -hmm. And so he faith. And then that faith then, interesting, led to obedience to carry out the work that he had to do, yeah. even though all the opposition where he would have been, a, you know, you're crazy, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. 120 years. That takes a lot of faith, 120 years to stick at something before you see the event happening. Yes. And it also reminds me a bit of like the second coming of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is coming soon and, and, and the generation will be preaching that for a long time. And to keep that faith and act in obedience, is, I think it's the same principle. Okay, mm. thank you. It is indeed, yeah. Um, you'll notice there in verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 18, Hannah, that, he's, that God says, I will establish my covenant. Um, why does God call this my covenant, do you think? Mm, this is not the covenant, uh, equal covenant, mm. but it is the um, covenant that God initiates. Okay. He knows that we are unfaithful, we fails, but he says my covenant because he said, I will keep this promise with you. Okay, so God is the originator of that covenant. Mm. Um, he, as you pointed out, he initiates it mm. because um, humanity is helpless. In the, in the plight that humanity finds itself in. Yes. So God had to act and take the initiative. But Thank Noah still that. had to make a choice though, didn't he? That's mm. right. He still had to say, I agree with that, mm. that agreement. I'm going, to, yeah. I'm going to enter the ark from faith and through obedience. I'm going to do, mm. uh, you know, do what you asked me to do to fulfill that covenant. Okay. Yeah. And he, um, he didn't hesitate to do it, mm. which is very interesting. Mm. Um, and that's good. Now, what about God? Now, so humanity benefits from the covenant. We get saved, right? Yes. If we choose to do so. Yes. Does God benefit from this covenant at all? I think he does, but in a different way mm -hmm. than, than to Noah. For, for I think God enjoys giving life. He, he, he's a merciful, graceful God. So yeah. for him doing that covenant of saving is part of his character. His character is also one of justice. Obviously, he's, there's, there's a, ju a judgment on the world. But there's also the element of God's mercy and grace and yeah, hands absolutely. reaching out. Yeah. And so the benefit of him was seeing Noah and his family saved. Mm. I think that was what the benefit for him was. How the can joy I let in you that. go, God says. Yeah, yeah, I love you too much to let you go. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, that's true. Thank you. Um, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 23, 
Um, I'm going to read that out. It says, So God destroyed all living things which are on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Um, what stands out for you, Hannah, in those very sober words that I just read? There? Yes, I guess two things that mm. um, stood out for me. That one, he surely destroyed everything. Mm. And he said that flood is coming and flood um, destroyed as well. So yeah. we see that when he did say something, he does that. Okay, so well. there, was, there was a judgment on the earth at that yes, time. Yes, yeah. his justice, mm. I guess. But also um, Noah's family was saved. Mm. So, um, yeah, as we have been discussing, uh, God made a dis- um, promise that um, Noah's family will be saved and, yeah, he saved them as well. So we see this mercy, his mercy here. Yes, that's right. Mm. And this is the first introduction of the, of the notion in the Bible of a remnant like a faithful remnant of believers. God doesn't forget his faithful people. Mm. And uh, that's very beautiful. And from then on, of course, there are um, other stories of faithful remnants, which Mm. is really interesting. Um, Colin, perhaps you could share with us some of those other remnants that you find in the scripture. Yes, well, my favourite, one of my favourite chapters in in, in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11. Uh It's called the, I call it the, really the remnant chapter of faith. All the people that God lists, or Paul lists in there, mm. of the people who were faithful, like a remnant who stood up for God, who were loyal to God right throughout the ages. And he, and he has a whole list of, um, of people that, that he raises, whether it's Moses who led the people out of Egypt, you know what I mean? Whether it's Joseph, for example, who said himself, I'm going to, I, God raised me up and brought me into Egypt to save you. Mm. Yeah. And it's always this element of salvation. And God raises people up to save a remnant who are obedient to God yeah. when the others are disobeying God. And uh, you know, we see the results of that. Right throughout the Bible, we see that. Yes, and it's a nice thought, isn't it? That God does have compassion and doesn't forget the faithful. Because that stays with me, that thought. Mm. Um, there might, the world may be you know, opposed to God, you know, and, I'm, and take Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. Sodom and Gomorrah, God did judge, bring judgment on them, but he didn't leave faithful Lot inside the city at all. It was a remnant, wasn't there? He was yes. a, a very small remnant, but God went and got them out. Yes. Yeah. No, and you see that right through the Old Testament, don't you? Mm. You see time and time, God raising a prophet or someone to point out people to say, who are you know, in sin and being led away, led away, and God sends a prophet or raises a king or, you know, or Deborah to yeah. bring them back to obedience to God, and it's a remnant. Yeah, so God's patience is amazing. Mm. It's profound. Mm. Okay, um, now Hannah, there is a final remnant yes. of people, of you know, faithful believers, at the time of Jesus' second coming, which would be the end of history as we know it, wouldn't yes. it? Yeah, this is exciting. We can find mm. in Revelation 12 and verse 17, it says, And the dragon was enraged with a woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here it says rest of her offspring. Mm. That's, we can say, remnant. Yeah. And here there's a people um, characterized two things. First, who keep the commandments of God, yeah. also have the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
So they are the people who will survive in the end, who um, left, who will be remnant in the end, who will keep faithful to God. Okay, and they're obedient to him as well. Yes. It's actually a very simple um, job description, if you like, isn't mm. it, for the people of God at the remnant at the end of time. And what is interesting to me is that it's actually repeated mm -hmm. in chapter 14. Yes. Mm. And if you look at chapter 14, verse 12, and I'm going to read it out, almost the same words that you just read for us, Hannah. Yeah. Here is the patience of the saints, and the, the context mm. is right at the end of time. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Well, I can understand that. It's not something tricky or hard mm. to get your mind around, folks. It's very, very plain. Um, so the remnant description is very simple. We can all follow it. All right, moving on. Now, this is the next question that comes to my mind, Colin, on mm -hmm. the basis of that. Mm -hmm. Is it arrogant then to claim to be a part of God's remnant at the end of time? Could we indeed make that claim, for example? Well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a fair thing to be able to do. I mean, mm. God lists the conditions of who the remnant will be in the last days. Mm. As we just pointed out, that one, they keep the commandments of God, yes. all the Ten Commandments of God, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, including the seventh day Sabbath, keeping it holy, which mm. is the fourth commandment. Number two, they have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which we know in Revelation 19 is mm. that they have the spirit of prophecy amongst the God's people. So you're looking for a, a remnant that keep the commandments of God, have the spirit of prophecy. You point out they have the faith of Jesus and they are preaching and giving the three angels message to the world, mm -hmm. the everlasting gospel to the world, announcing the judgment of God like Noah. Well, judgment that, is that, to be in. That is an interesting point because the remnant first appeared in scripture at the time of God's judgment at the flood. Um, so what's the context of the appearing of this final remnant? And you've touched on it there. Mm. Yes, um, we can look through uh, Revelation 14 and verse 7. It says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. Mm. So here talking about judgment of God, it's coming as a um, Jesus coming. Okay. This is um, comparing actually with flood and the second mm. coming of Jesus. Okay. Mm. Um, we can also see Matthew 24, um, verse 38 and 39. We can see how the Bible compares with um, flood and second coming. Uh, yes, and these, the, these here in Matthew 24, these are Jesus' own words, aren't they? Yes, yeah. that's true. Um, the Bible says, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son, coming of the Son of Man be. Mm. Yes. Okay, so it's going to catch the world unawares, just like the flood did. Yes. Yes, and there'll be again a, a people that God's raised up a remnant people, just like he did right throughout the Bible, like he did with Noah, mm -hmm. to give a warning message. That's right. Yeah. To, to, to announce it, to go and share that, to ask people, hey, get in the ark, get in the boat, <laughs> yes. be saved, turn from your sins. Yes. And everybody in, uh, on the earth will be given that opportunity mm -hmm. to make that decision, just like mm. everybody was given the opportunity in Noah's day yep. for 120 years. Mm. Uh, and then the flood came. And it'll be the same principle at the end, end of time. It's interesting well. that mm. they had so much time, yet it still didn't make any difference. Um, with, I, I noticed too that um, Peter actually refers to this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Again, the connection between what happened at the flood 
and what will happen at the end of time. Um, Verse 6 says, By which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which now exist are kept in store by the same word reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Mm. Um, so once more, that, that it's a judgment that's being described here. Yes. And there's no way that one can avoid a recognition of this very serious fact. So we have a very serious message to give to the world. The world is judgment bound, but mercy is still available. Grace is still available. Yes. We need to make that very clear mm. and keep that in mind. All right. Now, focusing On the aftermath of the flood now, if we can just slip back to Genesis. In chapter 9 of Genesis, God gave Noah a sign, a very interesting sign. Genesis Genesis chapter 9 and verse 12 and 13. And it says, God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. So this is a covenant for all time. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And he goes on to say that he won't bring um, again a flood and the the, the rainbow is the sign of that. Mm. Um, How do you see this rainbow symbol um, Mm. for us there? Well, it's, it's really God's covenant of mercy. He's saying, I'm never going to destroy the earth by flood. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a sign of his mercy. Uh, it's also a reminder that there is a consequence to sin as well. That's so true. There's always yeah. a consequence mm-hmm. of sin. There is, there is a, going to be a judgment, mm-hmm. a consequence. Um, what I found interesting, though, is even though God made that covenant, mm-hmm. you go straight away, only a few generations later, they started building a tower mm-hmm. to avoid a worldwide flood. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like they just said, yeah, we don't believe that, that God won't put a f- flood on the earth again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. It reminded me that to, in order for rainbow to exist, there needs to be the shower of rain yes. and also sunlight. Yes. And I see it's the union of uh, God's justice and mercy yes. as well. Nice. That yeah. They need to be both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is no justice, there needs to be no mercy needed. Okay, so, okay. Exactly. That's yeah. a good point. All right, Hannah, just quickly, this covenant of mercy symbolized by the rainbow um, is extended, obviously, to the whole human race. Um, does God ask humanity to respond in some way to that? Yes. Um, when there's a mercy of God, we also need to respond to it uh, through our action and words. And um, okay. yeah, we need to apply to our lives. I guess. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the, the rainbow to be enjoyed has to be looked at and appreciated. Um, and by the same token, the mercy it symbolizes must be also accepted and received into our life. And that's wonderful to keep in mind. Okay. Well, look, thank you for what you shared with us today, folks. I really appreciate that and uh, and the time that we've had together. I think we've we've unpacked beautifully the balance between God's judgments and God's mercy. And I hope that we can keep that balance in mind. Well, folks, the rainbow is a constant reminder to the whole world that God once judged all humanity at the flood. But more than that, of course, the rainbow is a symbol of God's grace and mercy, which is still extended to all of humanity. This beautiful symbol is God's constant call to all to receive his salvation. Well, we're glad you joined with us today and let God speak. You can watch this program again, if you wish, on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teacher's notes are available there also, along with all past programs. 
You can send us an email on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au if you'd like to do so. And we invite you to join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.